0: welcome to the carolina contractor show with your host general contractor donnie blanchard brought to you by gaf the world's largest roofing manufacturer gaf we protect what matters most and welcome to another edition of the Carolina Contractor Show. My name is Eric Smith. Cross for me, kind of, is the wonderful and talented general contractor, Donnie Blanchard. Welcome back to the show, Donnie. Sir, it is always good to be here. Thank you. You're quite welcome. And we like having Donnie here because he's the brains of the show. He knows things about your house where I have to make a lot of stuff up because I really don't know anything, <laughs> but I know how to press the buttons and, and edit the show. So that's the reason I'm here. And that's kind of what the Carolina Contractor Show is. We got a pro, general contractor Donnie Blanchard. And then we got a smart aleck, me. And what we like to do is talk about your house. And we like to talk about the inside and the outside and the roof. And we like to talk about crawl spaces and electrical and plumbing and things like that. The website is the place to hit first, the Carolinacontractor.com. We've also got links to past shows. And then we've got social media. You can stalk us online. We want to start off with a couple news items and they relate to sometimes directly construction economy and how it affects construction, houses and mortgage rates. And one of the things I found kind of interesting today, Donnie, was that the Virginia State Corporation Commission uh, last Friday approved Dominion Energy Virginia's plans to build a proposed coastal Virginia offshore wind project. Uh, we know what that is. That's going to be windmills. Well, they're not windmills. They're wind turbines because that sounds sexier. <laughs> so it's a 2.6 gigawatt project and has an expected capital cost of $9.8 billion. Real quick, Donnie, will they stay at $9.8 billion for this project?
1: No way. They're busting the budget.
0: Yep. I've already put uh, on my bet at it's going to break $15 billion. But what this will include is 176 wind turbines located about two dozen miles off the coast of Virginia Beach. I just did a little quick math and divided 9.8 billion by 176 wind turbines and that works out to an average of 55 million dollars per turbine installed this is something it'll take five to 10 years to get to the full completion stage. When we did the,
1: uh, net zero by 2050 show, probably a year ago, we made the statement that renewables may be the answer, but you know, this push for all electric cars and what that would do to our power grid, our current power grid. That is, I don't see this being a quick and easy thing. And while I'm all for renewable energies, you know, these wind turbines being 27 miles off the coast, that's about half of where you go to hit the Gulf stream if you're a deep sea fisherman. So they're a long ways out. And, uh, just generating the electricity, getting that electricity back to land and making it useful. You know, it sounds like a big to-do and doesn't sound realistic per my capacity, but you know, these guys are a lot smarter than I am and and hopefully they have something figured out and they've done the math where this $10 billion investment is going to pay off somehow down the road. And to put that in perspective, $10 billion, big, big number, but I also read where across the country in California, they're building the Intuit Dome, which will be the Clippers home arena. And to put it in perspective, they're only spending $2 billion on that whole project. And the good. Good news is the Clippers don't have to share the Staples Center, or I guess it's called the Crypto Arena now. They don't have to share that with the Lakers anymore. But uh, when I was looking at how much concrete they already put into this place, they've had over 200,000 working hours, crew of 350 people, which is massive. I can't imagine having to be the superintendent and manage all those people. The contractor put over 65,000 cubic yards of concrete in the project so far. So that's a really big deal. I think that takes uh, around 65, 6,600 concrete trucks to get that amount. So major undertaking in California, as big as that sounds, that's only 2 billion in comparison to 10 for the wind turbine project.
0: I teased earlier at the beginning of the show, Donnie, that we've kind of got a two-parter. So we wanted to do two shows, and it's all on hurricane prep and what to do before and after the storm. So we're titling the first part of the show, The First 48 Hours Before a Hurricane Hits. The storm season predictions for this year are 14 to 21 named storms, 6 to 10 hurricanes, and three to six of them being major hurricanes. Just one major hurricane hitting the southeast can mess up what is already a supply chain mess. Donnie, you have a lot of experience when it comes to insurance claims because you were at one time an independent insurance adjuster, correct?
1: Yes, sir. In my 20s, I did that for about eight years. And before I had a family, I traveled all over the country. And of course, I spent a lot of time in the Midwest for hail season every year. And my very first storm that I went on was Hurricane Katrina down in New Orleans. And I spent about a year down there, which was wonderful it was just very gratifying to help people put their lives back together again. And with an insurance adjuster job, if you're an independent or what the alternative is, is a staff adjuster, you're either Santa Claus or you're the Grim Reaper. So you're going in there to either give them a lot of money to put their life back together. Or uh, a lot of times, if you work for a tight insurance carrier, they don't allow you to take care of the people like some of the other carriers do. So I was pretty choosy on who I worked for. But that very first storm was, uh, was wonderful. It taught me a lot about roofing, taught me a lot about construction. And we always uh, mentioned getting these younger folks into the construction industry, I think insurance adjusting is a great way to get your foot in the door because you have to learn construction, you have to learn math, you have to learn people skills. Being a young guy in my 20s, I kind of had a base for all that. Being deployed and living in a camper for eight, nine months at a time in an alligator-infested campground beside of a railroad track was just one of those things I needed to go through to realize how good I had it back home. And the money is there. If you are an independent adjuster, you basically work for a bigger contracting firm that will they will sub you out, so to speak. So you're a subcontractor, a 1099 employee. They normally have contracts with all the bigger insurance carriers for a time just like that. So they will deploy three or 400 guys to an area, and you have to work out all your own living situation, all that's on you. And the people who deploy you don't worry about anything but just getting the numbers there, and they send a bunch of well-trained guys in, and you have the potential to make anywhere from thirty dollars to $40,000 a month if the storm is big enough. Uh, to comment on Hurricane Katrina, they approved a square foot method down there because they couldn't get money out fast enough. I worked for State Farm down there. They approved this method where we basically measured the perimeter of the home And then we put a tape measure up the wall to show the level of the flooding. And at 18 inches, which is the height of the outlets in the house, there was a certain price per square foot. If you hit four foot, which is the drywall mark, there was another uh, increase. And then, of course, if it was above that four foot, basically you bought the farm. And these flood policies only maxed out at $250,000, which is still the max for a flood policy now. But there were times when I was getting paid a percentage of what I wrote these people in terms of the claim. And I was making $5,000 a day in some uh, circumstances because they approved that square foot method, which allowed me to close, I don't know, five, six a day. And that would normally be unheard of. And I've never made money like that since. But, you know, as a young man in my 20s, I went down there with about $700. And my first six weeks down there, I made over $40,000. And it was wonderful, a great experience. And I highly recommend any of our young listeners, if you want to do something, maybe you didn't join the military and you wanted to see the world, this is the way to do it. What it requires is getting a license. You don't have to have a contractor license. You go take a test for an independent adjuster and put your name in the hat, train under somebody that's been doing it for a while, and it takes a good year to get the skill set that you need to be able to go out and do it by yourself. But if you're okay with living independently in a hotel and traveling all over, maybe you don't have a family or children yet, I think it's a wonderful way to see the world.
0: Well, let's jump into this, Donnie. What are some of the things to make sure you have in place before a hurricane hits? Again, the first 48 hours.
1: Well, knowing your insurance carrier information is the most important thing. A lot of people just have homeowner's insurance, and they say, well, if some Happens, I'll just call my agent and figure it out then. But it's very wise to understand things like your deductible, your policy number, uh, the 1 800 number to call to initiate the claim. If you have a claim, And and I have to word this differently like we don't live at the coast we live inland and so it takes a pretty major hurricane to hit us do damage and and cause us to have something that damages our house or makes for a worthy claim but if you in fact have a worthy claim you need to get in line as soon as possible because chances are your whole zip code got hit and everybody's going to be calling the night of or the morning after so getting in line is going to assure that you don't have to sit there with a damaged house for any longer than you have to so uh, normally takes these adjusters a week to mobilize and get to the area it takes them another week to schedule you and get out there to get to you. And then it could take another two weeks for you to get your money to start with the repair. So get in line is my best advice there. Um, if I had to say secondly, it would be have a relationship with a contractor or a roofer at the very least before this happens. So if you don't know a roofer, if you don't know a contractor, it's good to ask around and go ahead and get your referrals and have two or three people on hand That you can call on should something happen and maybe even touch base with them when you know the hurricane's coming. Hey, if something happens, would you be available to tarp my roof, for instance, because that's a common thing after a hurricane blows through. And this is something that you and I've talked about before. But take pictures of all four elevations of your house. People don't ever think about things. You pull up to your garage, you walk in that door and there may be two elevations of your house that you only see once every couple of weeks and it's good to do this anyway just to have a record of what your house looks like before any storm because we could have you know summer windstorm pop up and and do the same amount of damage so Definitely document everything, and this is something that you commented on: is take an inventory of your home. It's good to go through and take pictures of all your contents because contents coverage is a real thing in insurance. You know, coverage A is the dwelling, coverage B would be accessory structures, and coverage C in the insurance world is contents. But uh, if your contents get damaged and you just throw all those away and have to fill out a contents list. It's much, much easier to have pictures of all your furniture, all your appliances, all your clothing, and pretty much just anything that through your house. And it, what, it takes 20 minutes to go through and document all that. And it's just a wise investment of your time. And the last thing I'll say, if you have a three-tab roof, which a lot of people don't know if they have three-tab or architectural, if they never think about roofing or don't have a lot of construction experience, but a three-tab roof basically looks like a brick pattern on your roof. So they're Uh, 12 inch wide by five inch high shingles, all independent of each other and a three tab because there are three tabs per shingle, but these are very prone to wind damage. And if we get anything over 50, 60 mile an hour gust, there's a good chance. If your roof is over 15 years old, that you'll probably lose some shingles. So, uh, definitely, um, not something I recommend. I've probably put two, three tabs on in five, six years. We just don't recommend those. And uh, it's half the lifespan of the timber lines that we market so well. And the timber lines have a 50-year warranty versus a 25-year of the three tab. But more importantly, the wind rating is off the charts. The ASTM standards that were established two years ago for the latest code book, uh, they tested these, these shingles and Prior, they were a 130-mile-an-hour wind warranty. Now they test off the charts. So no-brainer when you have to re-roof your house go with the architectural.
0: And I'm going to take the opportunity for people who wonder, where do I find out about these shingles? You can visit SureTopRoofing.com because Donnie has all that stuff. Um, one thing I want to talk about is before a hurricane arrives, is you want to find a safe place for important documents like that insurance information, the carrier information you have. Uh, and medicine, people don't think about that, but if you're on daily medications or something, uh, items like that the best place is those small portable box safes. They're waterproof and you can find them for under 30 bucks. They'll hold basic documentations and things like that. And the portability is what's good about it because if you have to leave your house because of damage, you can't carry a 500 pound safe with you. But these little handheld ones, if you know where you kept it, you can grab it quick. It's like a bug out safe, we'll call it. Also, you kind of hit on something when storms hit something insurance companies love, and you wouldn't be able to confirm this, Donnie. For example, a a branch fell through your roof, and I'm not recommending you go on a roof as a homeowner, but if you can or someone else can to put up, say, a tarp that shows you tried to limit the amount of water getting into the house and causing more damage. Something like that insurance companies like, correct? Yes,
1: sir. It's actually written in every homeowner's policy that it is the homeowner's responsibility to mitigate the damage best they can without putting themselves in danger. So I've seen a lot of times homeowner had a hole in their house and they had major water intrusion. They said, well, I'll just let it go because the insurance company will fix that. And that's not the case at all. Some insurance companies won't dive too deep into that. But if you have the wrong carrier and they're very tight in terms of their payout, yeah, they'll buck you on that, and they'll tell you that you let that go for too many days, and that's on you. So they'll pay for the initial damage, maybe, but not all the interior damages. And my advice there, keep tarps, um, big roll of plastic, keep something like that on hand. And then those little plastic button caps you can buy at the big box store, you can get a small box of those for about 3 or $4. And I think it's a very wise thing just to have that around the house all the time should you need it in a hurry. Exactly.
0: Something more serious, though, is restoring power you think when a hurricane hits, we complain that it takes one, two, three days on average to get power back, but due to supply chain issues, restoring power could take longer. Transformers are in short supply, and according to the Energy Department's Office of Electricity, over 90% of the electricity consumed in the U.S. passes through a large power transformer. Well, the lead times to have a transformer manufactured and delivered has gone from 16 weeks to to up to 142 weeks for a single-phase pad-mounted transformer. So it's important that you're prepared for long-term power outages because the supplies they need to restore power are not readily available anymore.
1: That's a real thing in my world. I have several houses going right now and I called Duke Energy months and months ago, and the engineer comes out. He designates where the transformer will go, puts the work order in for everything that has to go underground to make it from an existing power source to the underground transformer. And man, they just can't get them. I don't know if you remember the picture I texted you this week, but I had three transformers dropped off on a site where I have a couple of houses going there, and that was just music to my eyes because uh, we've been waiting forever, and we're having to, um, of course, use the generator to power all of our saws and everything because we don't have power for a saw service. So uh, heaven forbid a major hurricane make landfall here because right now with the housing demand still going pretty good and uh, this shortage for the transformers, the days of you know power going out, being back up and running in two or three days, everybody's shorthanded. I think those days are long gone. So I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, summer hurricane season and winter time should we have a power outage just to see what Uh, getting that back up and running looks
0: like. And this is the Carolina Contractor Show. Today, we're talking about the first 48 hours before a hurricane or a tropical storm arrives, things you should do. Uh, We're going to run through uh, some things kind of quick here, but they're important. We'll start with the outside of the house. First thing is walk around your house because 90% of the stuff you're going to see just with your eyes, common sense will say, I probably should take care of this before the storm gets here, uh, clean, clear your gutters and downspouts, safety first, or as uh, Micro Rowe says, top three. Don't take on any gutter maintenance work yourself if you're not comfortable with it or if you're not comfortable putting a ladder against your house to climb up there and clear out your gutters to make sure that the water will go through quickly and not be blocked but get that taken care of. And also before a storm hits, but any time of year, you get a yearly roof inspection because that can stop a lot of stuff right off the bat. And you still have Sure Top Roofing still has a free roof inspections, correct, Donnie? Yes, sir.
1: We do it every day.
0: Another thing is you can walk around the yard and look up. And I want you to look up at your trees, look for dead branches, look for trees that maybe it is time they get pared back. Right.
1: I want to comment on one thing with the tree situation because I've seen a lot of down trees. I've went behind and re- done a lot of repairs framing and roofing wise behind a lot of trees that actually made contact with a house. And there's nothing worse than that, that leaning pine tree and it's leaning in the prominent wind direction. So a lot of people don't put thought into that, but... Our prominent wind comes out of the southwest, and so if you have a pine tree on that side of your house and it's leaning towards your house, there's a you're on borrowed time. There's a good chance that if a high windstorm comes through or a hurricane, and I guess hurricanes come from the east, so that would be the opposite direction. But if something's leaning, you would be wise to go ahead and have that taken down, and uh, especially because the tree companies always charge more after the storm. But maybe the insurance company pays for it. That's just one of those things where you risk your family's safety. And uh, from a structural standpoint, if a tree falls perpendicular to, say, your roof, I'll say trusses because that's what everybody calls it, but your roof trusses, your roof rafters, if a tree falls across those, chances are the strength of those rafters are going to hold that tree from breaking through the attic. But I've seen a couple of nightmare scenarios where the trees fell parallel with the roof system and so they fell basically in the cavity between the rafters and when they hit that it's only the top plate of the envelope of the wall that should stop those and a lot of times that top plate is just a double two by four and so i've seen trees hit perfectly between the rafters and go all the way down to the bottom floor so heaven forbid a hurricane hit you know get everybody don't don't occupy any bedrooms upstairs because it's just not smart and even if the kids buck back and they want to go hang out in the room with the door shut that's the time to put your foot
0: down Now, I am the one weird person who, if I know a tropical storm is coming, I go out and mow and trim and blow my lawn. And people are like, well, you should be covering your windows and buying milk and bread. Well, I found out through experience because I'm older than Donnie. If you mow and blow your lawn and you have the time to do it before a storm comes, it makes cleanup after the storm easier. And it's also a chance to check things like your drainage ditches. If you're living especially out in rural areas and they just do a ditch, make sure it's clear. If you've got French drains or a system in your house, uh, look for blockage or debris. And if you have a street storm drain out in front of your house like I do, I've got a couple of them, make sure that's clear. We think, well, the city takes care of those. But sometimes after a standard summer thunderstorm, you can get a lot of pine needles and branches and stuff and block those up. And that can cause a backup and, and make your street drainage harder. It can back up in your yard a little bit. So clear out those things. The other thing I noticed is when you walk around the house, think this, if it can blow away, it needs to be secured. Lawn furniture, umbrellas trash cans kids toys uh, gazebos and tents and even trampolines we've seen the videos on like instagram they're like parachutes if the wind gets under them and they're not secured so you can put them up and if you can't secure them with industrial ties we had a gazebo and this was not a tropical storm it was just one year a strong thunderstorm came through and lifted our 10 by 10 gazebo up and threw it about 15 feet into the fencing It was a wood fence it didn't damage the fence or knock it over and i was able to salvage the gazebo but uh the following spring i think my wife called somebody and they came in bolted it down and it's it's got to be 15 years old and we still have that gazebo bolted down onto the concrete and the last thing i have from personal experience is having a sub pump or a submersible pump and have the hose connection or extension already on it. Then the one I got from Lowe's was like a hundred bucks. And I believe it pumps up to four gallons a minute. So four times... 60 times 24, you can get rid of a lot of water in a case of an emergency.
1: One thing I want to add in there is gas up your car, gas up all the things that you may need. If you have a side-by-side or a uh, ATV, you know, it's good to get gas and everything because there's definitely going to be a line at the pump after a hurricane hits. And if you have an electric vehicle, please charge that thing. And I know that goes without saying, should be a no-brainer, but a lot of people just don't think about it. Or they expect the best. Maybe they're overly optimistic and they let that go. But um, you made a note that said, I wonder what the ev owners will do when you know extended power outage happens and i don't know maybe use the generator to charge the car and then that only works until you run out of gas so it seems like you just can't outrun those darn fossil fuels the next thing i wanted to say is if you got a grill and of course we talk about grilling here and there um, you may have to rely on that thing just to feed the family especially if your freezer goes out and you've got all this meat stored up that you either let go bad or, or go ahead and cook then You know, you may become a grill master in a weekend's time, but um, making sure that the grill isn't out there in the the elements, if that's your only means to feed your family, just taking care of that, making sure, like you say, it's secure or maybe moved in the garage and, and just out of the weather for a hurricane event should that happen. And I would say to round out the list, have hurricane party supplies because you could be a hit if you're the only person that thought of that in your neighborhood. And, you know, an extended power outage, people tend to go a little bananas and, you know, uh, keeping it on the up and up and keeping everybody in a good mood is
0: a great idea. This is a Carolina Contractor Show, and we're talking about the first 40 hours before a hurricane arrives, some prep things you can do. And let's jump inside the house real quick, Donnie. People Know they have a fuse box, but they might not know anything about it. And it's really important that the fuse box is labeled on the door. You can have a list of what each fuse is powering, and, and that helps you quickly locate a specific issue to turn something on or off. You know, when a fuse pops, don't modify or connect anything to a fuse box without an electrician. And you have, am I correct? Your generator is tied to it?
1: Yes. So I have a transfer switch on my panel, my main panel from the house that, uh, Power is basically the bottom floor, the heating and air, and all the major appliances. I have a transfer switch that I can flip off, and what that does is it re- it cuts off your ability to backfeed into the power grid, and uh, I actually have a um, an outlet on the outside of my house so that I can plug a generator in right to the outside of the house, crank the generator up. Go flip the transfer switch, and I'm back up and running in about 15 minutes. So that's definitely a worthy investment. Probably cost a, a grand, fifteen hundred from an electrician to come out and do that. But it's definitely a wise investment if a portable generator is your only option to heat or cool your house. And it's of course it's not going to cool it. If you have gas heat, then of course it, it that will give you heat in the winter. But uh, a generator that will power an air conditioner is is a really expensive thing so the best you could hope for is keep a couple of refrigerators or freezers running and some ceiling fans and that should get you through.
0: I know since the other day when I was blowing my lawn I've got cordless uh, blowers and mowers and trimmers and stuff and you need to make sure you not only charge your cell phones and things like that but you got to charge your cordless power tools, because if you do lose power to your home and then you need to go out and do some yard work after a storm, if they're not charged, you're not going to have any luck doing cleanup because your drills and blowers and saws won't work. If you don't have power at your house and you need to charge your phone, don't forget your car. So make sure you have a charger for your car because you can go out to your car after a storm and put a charge on your cell phone. Goes without saying, flashlights, uh, battery-operated lamps, and batteries are very good to have. Candles are romantic, but they're also a safety risk. My big pet peeve is bottled water. Every time a storm's coming, we hear news stories, and they have the cameras out going, bottled water is off the shelf. And I'm like, they send it to my house directly, too. So instead of worrying about bottled water, maybe buy jugs, storage containers, even milk containers. You can wash them out and put water in that in advance. You have plenty of time. Do you know you can use your toilet without electricity, but it needs water to flush. So have a couple gallons next to each toilet, or you can partially fill your bathtub so you have water to be able to flush a toilet. And of course, food non-perishable items canned food things like that and as donnie mentioned before if you've got a freezer full of food that's fine if there's a storm coming but what you need to do is be prepared to cook that food if you lose that power because once the power goes out and stuff starts to thawing you might as well just go out to the corner block parties we said take your grill to the dead end of the street and have some uh friends over and and eat steak and chicken and all that other stuff Now, next week, we want to talk about the 48 hours after a storm hits your house, what you should do, and try to get some of this stuff up on the website. The website address is thecarolinacontractor.com. Again, you want to listen to past episodes, you can download it, and this will be a prime example. You can listen to today's show, which is like part one, and then next week we'll do part two, and then you can just download them at your own and listen to them both or send them to somebody, and they can do that too. And if you have a question about your house, this general contractor, Donnie Blanchard, can answer them. Hit the Ask the Contractor button, and we'll sometime in the near future do another question show, and we'll answer some of those on the air. So we thank you for joining us. We hope there's no need to use this list, but there's a lot of information that's very valuable to have in general if there's a storm coming or just taking care of your house when you have a thunderstorm roll through. So have a great week, and we will see you next week with part two of this show on the Carolina Contractor Show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show. Learn more at thecarolinacontractor.com. Brought to you by GAF. We protect what matters most. Hey, it's Eric Smith, co-host of the Carolina Contractors Show for Sure Top Roofing. A brand new roof is even more affordable than ever. Sure Top Roofing, your local GAF Master Elite Certified Roofer, now offers financing plans for as low as $85 a month. That's probably less than your internet or cell phone bill. With approved credit, you can finance that brand new roof for 10 years at 9.9%, and that includes warranties for up to 50 years. But this offer is only available from SureTop Roofing, so schedule your free estimate at Sure Roofing. Com. That's SureTopRoofing.com.